Welcome back to the show, everyone. On today's episode of the podcast, I start out by sharing this beautiful experience I had all on my own paddle boarding out on the lake. And that sometimes it's that perfect magical combination of being in our bodies, movement and nature that puts us right in a state of flow. I had some really beautiful epiphanies around death. I share a bit about our dog Laika who is getting to the end of her life and how I am navigating death and also how I'm talking about grief and death with my five-year-old daughter. So basically today's episode, it's just a lot of life, a lot of death, and a whole lot of gratitude. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hello, 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 my darling friend. How are you? Welcome back to the show. It's time for a brand new episode, just like every Friday of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I am sitting here now feeling strangely content (laughs) in my body. I've had a a, quite an... (laughs) I've had a fairly intense week, kind of a a roller coaster of a week, to be honest. And um, Dennis just left to go do an Ironman race a little bit further south of Sweden. Um, We talk about this on the show, if you've heard episodes with him, he is, he's like a strange version of an Ironman. He's not the kind of Ironman that trains for Ironman. (laughs) He's the kind of guy who spends a lot of time on the couch and once in a blue moon goes for a bike ride and then does this insane race a couple times a year. Like I, I, I think he does it on pure willpower. I mean, he is an Aries son. So like there's no lack of willpower and initiation and dedication when he's really passionate about something, you know, but this 
time around, I don't think I have ever seen him train less, to be honest. I'm a little bit worried about how he's going to do. So if, you, um, if you've never heard of an Ironman before, I, you probably have. It's a triathlon. They swim, they bike, and they run. And why they do those things for such insane distances and so many hours straight is just beyond me. But yeah, it's a four kilometer or 3.8, I guess, kilometer swim, 180 kilometer bike ride. That's 100 miles, right? That's like, it's, it's insane. And then a marathon, you know, just casual little marathon. And um, strangely, you know, it's, it's, it's on Saturday. So it's actually tomorrow if you're listening to this on a Friday. And I was supposed to be teaching at this festival that I've been looking forward to for such a long time here in Stockholm. And those two things coincided this, this year, it just happened to be that way. So we've done a lot of kind of figuring out of our family situation, me having like a big work engagement and being alone with Leia and him having this big race. And that means we can't be there to cheer him on, you know. And um, for uh, just a strange development of, of stuff that just suddenly came this week, um, that whole entire festival ended up being canceled just six days before, before the festival day, which is just so bizarre. And then it was like, oh my God, that means, that means you can come to Ironman, you know, because of course doing a race and we're talking hours and hours and hours and hours. I mean, I don't know how, I think his worst time ever is... 14 hours or something. I think he wants to be done in 13 hours. <laughs> and you have a 17 hour deadline for that race. So, you know, imagine, imagine sitting on a bike and running a marathon for like 15 hours straight. I mean, that's just, it's just torture, right? So he, of course, really wants us to be there to cheer him on. And then now they cancel this festival, which is just such a disappointment and so heartbreaking. And I guess a long story. And then he said, you can, you can come and cheer me on. You know, we can be his cheerleaders and be there. But because of the festival, we have a big, we, ha we have a corporate retreat planned. Like the yoga girl team is actually coming together from all parts of the world. And it was supposed to be through the festival. Everyone was supposed to come to the festival. And I had some of our amazing team members were going to demo and I was teaching and it was going to be this kind of team experience to, to experience this whole festival. And then we had a corporate retreat connected to it with lots of workshops and stuff, which is really exciting. We haven't seen each other, you know, yoga girl, corporate, we're not very corporate, <laughs> obviously, but like the core team, we haven't seen each other in the flesh in years, some ever. You know, we actually have members on the team that have been working with us for a while or for a long time, but because they were hired during the pandemic, um, we've just never met, you know, so it's just kind of, kind of wild. So we have this thing planned, so I can't go chair Dennis on anyway, but he's there now. And I don't, I don't know how he's going to pull it off. I think it's, we are a little bit overdue for a Dennis and Rachel episode of the pod. I know a lot of you have a lot of questions for him around, you know, how he's doing in Sweden. And someone asked, how is Dennis coping? <laughs> how is he coping with Sweden? Um, so I guess when he's back from the race, we, we can do, we can do a little, a little couples podcast would be super fun. But anyway, back to my morning. So because he's away, just anytime Dennis is away, we always end up having like a little mini emergency of some sort that's just 
a dynamic that we have in this family. You've heard about that on the podcast if you've listened for a long time. It's just things always fall apart a little bit whenever Dennis leaves the family unit. It's just we are we expect it by now. So he left yesterday and I have the rest of the week alone with Leia. And for some reason, you know, I have I just have very low expectations on a weekend without Dennis. Like, I don't know if we're going to get sick or someone's going to hurt themselves or something crazy is going to happen. And just there's always a little it's like Murphy's Law kicks in when Dennis leaves for some reason. It's just what it is. So I brought Leia to school this morning and all of a sudden just realized, wait, I'm all alone completely alone in this house. I have so many things I should get to. I have a mountain of laundry I have to tend to. I need to clean the house. It's a mess. I have some work I need to get to. I have an inbox that I'm like scared to open at this stage because I've been ignoring it for so long. But then instead of doing that, I thought, well, I have I have a whole morning to myself. There's no one here asking for my attention at, at all. I'm going to take the paddleboard out and go for a little for a little paddleboard session right now, which is something I have never done since we moved to Sweden. I used to paddleboard all the time in Aruba. I, maybe you've seen, I used to do, you know, stand-up paddleboard yoga. I was one of the people who kind of pioneered that many, many years ago. I taught classes on end, you know, infinite amounts of just long yoga classes on paddleboards in the sun. For years, I did that living on the island. And then kind of transitioned away from that and just started paddling for fun, you know, which in Aruba is a pretty hardcore experience. Aruba is really, really windy at all times. And it's always offshore winds, which means you get pushed away from the beach. So it's it's kind of hardcore to paddle in Aruba. It's, it's definitely a workout. And it's not something you do leisurely, you know, to relax because you have to just, you're kind of killing yourself to not drift off to Panama kind of thing. But we bought a paddleboard or I bought a paddleboard right at the beginning of the summer just because we're living on the lake. And I thought, oh, it would be so nice just to to paddle out, you know, in the mornings and instead of maybe going for a run or whatever I'm doing that day, just like have a little paddle it would be so nice. I never had that experience of living on the water in this way where you just walk down, you know. So I, I bought a, a pretty cheap, I think I think it's a shitty board, actually. I mean, it's not it's not, you know like falling apart beneath me or anything. But I didn't want to make too big of an investment because I didn't know if I was going to be using it that much, right? So I got one of those inflatable ones. I never had an inflatable paddleboard before. All the paddleboards we ever had were hard tops, you know, which is, I think they're more stable, like a solid stand-up paddleboard is more stable, obviously, than a, an inflatable one. But an inflatable one you can take anywhere and, you know, you can deflate it and pack it up and travel and all sorts of things. So I, I guess there's a pro to that as well. I didn't, I haven't ended up using it. You know, we've just played with it a little bit together with Leia, but then I kind of forgot that I had it. And then for some reason this morning, I was like, oh man, I have that paddleboard. Like, let's go. And I'm all alone. And I ended up, I don't know how long I was on the lake. I paddled four kilometers, which I think is pretty far. I don't know. I mean, and it was it was a little bit upwind, but nothing like Aruba. Like this was an easy paddle compared to what I'm used to in, in Aruba. But for me, four kilometers paddling, it's pretty, pretty far. I don't know. I think so. I feel proud anyway. My arms are aching. And it took maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes for me to kind of get into the flow of it, 
which is this experience I very rarely get when I'm out for a run. You know, it's like when I'm running, I kind of want to die because it's so fucking hard and then it sucks and it sucks and it sucks. And then I know people tell you that eventually you're going to end up getting this kind of like runner's high and then it starts to feel really good. For me, it's really hard to get there. I have to run a lot and almost every day to really get into that flow. But I don't run far enough, I think, for me to get into that like endorphin, super high runner's vibe. But 15, 20 minutes into this paddle, all of a sudden, I, I kind of, I got that feeling, you know, you know, that feeling. It's the feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the paddle high, I guess. That feeling of just you're in the zone, your body's doing what the body's doing, you know, working kind of hard, but not so hard that I'm out of breath or exhausted or anything like that. It's, it wasn't like an uphill battle, you know. And my mind just got so totally quiet, just completely quiet. Oh, and, and, you know, whatever stuff has been going on this week and the roller coaster of things and uh, I, all of that, all of my, my whole mind, all of the chatter just got really, really, really quiet without me trying to quiet my mind. And I think at, at least an hour and a half, maybe I was out there just paddling, just watching this amazing coastline to my, by my side and all the beautiful trees and the reeds and birds everywhere. I saw big fish jumping out of the lake, you know, it was, it was just bliss, just total, total, total bliss. And then eventually it got a little bit tough. Like I started getting tired and I was going kind of up hit, upwind the whole time. And I knew, of course, when you're going upwind, that's why I went, I went right from our house instead of left because the, the wind was going left, which is south. <laughs> anyway, but I knew, you know, I'd much rather have begin up upwind and then I know I can kind of drift back. I was hoping, I didn't really know, but I was hoping. And I got tired and I thought, okay, well, oh, let me just let me just lie down for a little bit. So I attached my paddle to the front and I just lay down flat on the board. <laughs> I could have fallen asleep. I could have fallen asleep. It got really, really, really quiet. You know, the wind was just it sort of mellowed out completely and I was really close to the shore. And for some reason, I didn't have to steer. I didn't have to worry about direction at all. But for, I don't know how, but like halfway back, I just drifted on my back looking at the clouds and the sky and, you know, with my fingertips kind of gracing the surface of the water. And I, it was such a beautiful moment. Oh my goodness. I feel so at peace, so at peace right now. And then going for a swim after that. And, you know, this is not like a a crazy wild thing like we live here so close to the water and I just don't know why I haven't taken that board out before but it was so peaceful to not be distracted by anything to just be in my body and be in nature I've actually found that one of the things that I do that brings me the most peace especially if my mind is really busy is going for a lo long walk going for a long walk through the woods one of my favorite things. But I have found that lately, because I'm so excited about plants, <laughs> I'm so excited about foraging, I, I've i kind of stopped having those leisurely walks through the woods where you walk just to walk, 
right? And I find myself like I'm kind of scanning the terrain all the time, which is also presence, but it's another quality to that presence. It's like kind of more alert than relaxed because I'm looking for things, right? I'm looking for chanterelles and I'm checking out the blueberries and I'm like looking at the lily of the valley over there and I'm looking for juniper everywhere. Like I have things just in the back of my mind that I'm like always on the hunt for a little bit because I get so excited about foraging. But I've kind of lost that completely relaxed, leisurely feel that I have when I take those long walks. And now when I was on the paddleboard, I was like laughing to myself. It's so nice to get a break from foraging. <laughs> it's like, that is the dorkiest, dorkiest thing I've ever heard. But truly, it was a, just a good morning. It's nice to be alone. Yeah. And I know Dennis, like he loves it when I have alone time. He knows I need it. He knows whenever I have time completely on my own, I come back really happy. He loves his alone time. Like right now, like for this Ironman race, just being there on his own, doing his own thing, having the space to choose completely for himself. It's it's just such a necessary part of self-care. But I don't have that same urge for alone time and space as he does. Like for him, it's much more urgent all the time. You know, he needs that time on his bike or he needs that time on his own. And for me, I always just end up finding those little pockets of privacy. And then it's like, oh God, I've forgotten how how wonderful it is to really just be in your own company. You know, I feel it's a good thing to practice just really enjoying spending time with ourselves. You know, I bet if you spent a little more time just on your own with you, you'd find that you're a pretty cool person to hang out with, you know, and we often think we need people around or we need that stimulation or we need, and I can have that feeling sometimes it's like, oh, if I'm all alone, like, what am I going to do? You know, but I actually, oh, it's so necessary to have that space. I feel like I solved a bunch of problems without thinking just now, just out on the lake paddling. Like I'm less worried about stuff. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I want to say is get out in nature on your own. Just be there. It's the most, most healing thing there is. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good 
around doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. So this week, oh yeah, we, um, I started the week, <laughs> we started the week, um, at the emergency vet, one of our dogs. So we have three dogs. We have Ringo, who's the youngest, who's not so young anymore. I don't like to think about it, but he's already nine. And then we have Keela, who is 13, going to turn 14 beginning of next year. And then we have Laika, who's turning 14 now. So they're, they're pretty old. I don't know, like how, how old is old for a dog? I mean, I know 14 is, is it's getting up there. But they are both so healthy, like all three of them, but especially the two older ones that we think of as as older. Um, they're so healthy and, you know, eating really well and really happy. And we go for tons of walks and we I just never really had a a reason to to worry yet. And if you listen to the podcast that I recorded, I think three weeks ago, I shared my brother's dog, who is his his person is a dog. Um, his name is Hammer, that he's really ill and he has a tumor in his sinuses. And right when he found that out, I mean, this was now three weeks ago, I think it was kind of like, this is it, you know, it's time to say goodbye. We didn't know if we would make it back home. We were on the West Coast and we didn't know if we would have time, like get a chance to say goodbye to him. He managed to to, to breathe a little bit better. The, the thing for him is that he can't breathe. Of course, you know, dogs can't breathe they only breathe through their mouths when they are walking, right? Or do, you know, exercise, not exercising, but moving their bodies. They they pant, you know, and, and breathe through the mouth. But their natural state and how they breathe when they're sleeping, of course, as we all know, is through the nose. So it's not the same for us. You know, if they get a sinus thing and they can't breathe through the nose, it's not like they can just shift and then sleep a whole night breathing through their mouths. No, they, they can't do that. So that was the, you know, the urgent, immediate danger, just that hammer was running out of air and he couldn't breathe. So, but he managed to stay okay for the end of that week. And then um, we had an appointment to put him down because it was so, so, so bad. And my brother had made an appointment for the vets to come home. It was the day before, day after we came home from that trip. And then on that same day, you know, my brother was so sad. I mean, it was, we were just all Oh, it was just horrible. And I was trying to comfort him, you know, at least it gets, you know, it's going to happen at home. It's going to happen. It's a conscious decision now. It's not this thing that just happened beyond everybody's control. Like you had these last few days to just be with him, even though they were very hard days. We'll make a really create this very sacred space for him there. And, you know, like I'll be there with you and it's, 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 it's going to be the worst day but I'm here, you know, we're here together. And then he woke up that day, that was Monday, woke up that day and Hammer's just like energized, breathing through his nose, eating, you know, all of a sudden there's just life in his eyes again. And I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I really couldn't believe it that just, it was a 180 turn and I don't know if something shifted, if it was like he had 
you know, some inflammation in his sinuses around the tumor and that was making it harder to breathe. Maybe it wasn't just the tumor that's there. It's impossible to know, but all of a sudden he could breathe. And all of a sudden, you know, it seems like, okay, wait, well, maybe it's not his time now. And, you know, it's been almost three weeks since that day. And although we know, you know, his, yeah, his, his days are counted and it's, it's not a matter of months, it's a matter of weeks, but all of a sudden he got to have these, these beautiful weeks with him, you know, where he's almost like his old self and they're going for walks and he's eating and going for swims and really like he just, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It felt really miraculous. My brother kept saying, all I want is, is to have some good days with him, you know, just some good days doing things that he loves, appreciating the time that we have together. And then it, he, he's getting that now, which is so beautiful. And we were already in that kind of you know, thoughts and energy around around our animals and thinking, okay, well, if it's Hammer now, Hammer's 13 or he's 12, 13. He's one year younger, I think, than ours. And uh, and then we have Kila and Laika and we know like at some point all these animals we love so much, they are going to pass. And then right at that same week, one of my best friends in the whole world lost her little one, who is also like her soulmate of a dog out of the blue complete shock just very very traumatic and you know so we're grieving with her and we're grieving with my brother even though there's some space around that grief because hammer's still here and then this week you know monday morning um took like a for a walk like a walking through the woods and all of a sudden started seizing and it was just really scary just a seizure scary no matter what but it this was like a seizure that seemed to be located in her back legs for some strange reason like just her legs were just shooting out of her body especially her back left leg and she couldn't control her legs she couldn't walk she couldn't sit and she couldn't stand you know she couldn't she couldn't she couldn't she couldn't move she couldn't do anything and I had just been kind of, I had the weekend, yeah, last week, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm getting a little cold, but I'm so relaxed about it. <laughs> it's going to go away. I got really sick after that, after I recorded last week's podcast. So I was really ill over the weekend and I had a fever in the night and, you know, Monday morning I woke up and I was like, I'm going to take a shower today because I didn't shower for like two days, I think. You know that feeling when you've just been in bed and you've been unwell and kind of cold sweat, fever sweats, you know, that feeling. And when you finally start to feel better, which I was doing on Monday, I was like, oh, yes, okay, I'm better now. I'm going to take a shower. Today is the day everything turns and I get, you know, everything gets good again. But then I didn't shower. Stupid of me. I don't know. I We had breakfast first, which I'm grateful for because we ate. And then this thing happened with like us. So we just like throw ourselves in the car, head over to the emergency vet. And I spent, I think, nine hours there, the whole entire day there with Laika. And it's just one of those things where, yeah, yeah, at the end of our lives, we die. I know this is true. I know this is just a simple fact of life. But when you break it down to all of these granular moments of, of how death happens, it's just so unbelievably hard. So, 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 so hard. 
And I kind of thought that, well, I've been around so much death and I know death very well. And I know all about grieving and, you know, and these dogs, they are going to get older. Of course, I know they're going to die. I should be prepared. But sitting there in the emergency room with Leica, I just, I, I felt the opposite of prepared. Not at all ready. And we ended up finding, not really getting a clear answer. We still don't know why she had that seizure. But the big takeaway from the vet is that she's in really, really bad pain. Um, that she has arthritis in her hips and in her lower back. And we know that. We know she's had some arthritis. And I give her pain meds. Not every day. I don't want her to be on pain. Like, that's what I told the vet. I'm like, it doesn't feel healthy. You know, does it can't be good for her, for her liver to to be on pain meds every day. You know, so if, if she has a day and I can see, like, her legs are a little stiff or she growls a little bit at the other dogs when they want to lie down in the same bed as her, I'm like, that's a sign for me that she's in pain. And then I give her the medication that we have. And the vet explained, okay, well, that's that could be a good strategy if you have a very young dog. Like if you have a young animal, you don't want them to be on medication for too long because it's not good for their health long term. But when you have a dog at this age, she was like, she's so old. I think it's necessary for her to be on on pain meds every day for the rest of her life. Like she needs to be just as comfortable as she possibly can and in as little pain as possible. And and to be honest, I didn't know that she was in this amount of pain and that she's most likely in pain all the time. I really thought, because she doesn't show it, you know, she doesn't show it, she doesn't whine, she doesn't wince, she doesn't, um, the, the only way I can notice is after she's been asleep or she's been still for a long time, I can tell she's stiff, like her back legs and her hips are stiff. But I didn't know, I didn't know she was in this amount, in this amount of pain and they did these tests on her and yeah she said it's it's very bad and she needs to be on pain meds twice a day in the beginning now this following this week um three times a day even and as she was testing her and kind of like she's pressing on every vertebrae of her spine and and um she said and she looked at me and she said you know what like if this was my dog I think I would I would end it here and I was like what and, and, and of course, you know, be, being a vet, you know, seeing so many animals all day long, I think you get a little bit more desensitized. I mean, you have to be anyone in any kind of profession like that. You have to have some distance. But the way she said it, you know, she actually said it, in, it's not a clear transition in Swedish. She actually said in Swedish, she said, Om det här var min hund hade jag nog avbrutit nu. Which actually means the word is avbryta. It actually means kind of to to turn off, uh, to quit. It's like to to. It's like it's not a word you would use around death. It's a completely cold, non-emotional word. It's like I would. It's like interrupt. Actually, avbryta means interrupt. Actually, but it but it can also mean to to end and close something, to be done with something. Avbryta to finish something. But it actually means interrupt. And it's very, very cold. It's not even a clinical world. It's just a very cold word. I would use it maybe for work or like someone interrupts me if I'm sitting at my computer. Or if you're in a meeting, you might say like, oh, we have to just stop this meeting now, you know. But it's not something I've ever heard spoken around death. 
And it took me a moment. I was like, whoa. She said, yeah, well, um, I, 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 if this was my dog. And I said, but for me, you know, this is a dog who, like, she, she's full of life. She's full of life. I mean, she eats two huge bowls of food every day. She wakes up every morning totally excited to go for walks. Like, she barks at the neighbors all day. You know, she chases birds and squirrels. And, like, this is a, to me... You know, and of course, I I know her better than the vet, but I'm not a vet. So, you know, like the, the, I don't, doesn't feel at all like this is her time unless this seizure would turn out to be something that like results in like she can't walk or, you know, but after that seizure was over, she was walking fine and she starts, started to recuperate. And at the end of that day at the vet, she's kind of looking at me like, just can we go home, you know? And then the vet said, no, I understand this is a very hard decision, but you don't want her to suffer, right? I said, of course not. Of course I don't want her to suffer. No. And then she said, okay, well, let's try a new combination of pain medication. So she gave me three different things, one for nerve pain, one that's anti-inflammatory, and one for muscle pain, I think, and, and using them in combination. She said, and you have to give it, you know, twice a day, every day, in the beginning, three times a day. And then we have another appointment in three weeks and we see where she's at. We want to see and test how, where her pain level is at. And I said, okay, you know, so we brought her home. She was really groggy in the evening. Dennis was like, I feel like this is too much medication. Like she's, but I'm like, how are we supposed to know? This is so very hard. I don't want her to be in any pain. You know, no pain. I, it's, it's, I, I don't want her any, any, anything. I want her to feel good. I want her to be happy. But she seems so very happy. So it's just really hard to know. And the next day she woke up and she immediately had the zoomies. You know, when a dog just goes completely nuts and they start kind of spinning around themselves and like totally running around the whole entire house, going crazy, running around the kitchen. And then she bolted outside and just, and then it's just like, okay, so this is a dog that's like in so much, so unwell, she should be put down. Like this does not, that, that doesn't seem right to me, you know, and no, it doesn't seem right to me either. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And just today when I was, you know, the whole week has been kind of oh, so sensitive because I, I don't want to be that kind of dog mom who's so selfish and, you know, I'm not that kind of, I, I don't want to be that kind of person that selfishly keeps an animal alive that's totally suffering and clearly shouldn't be, right? 
But I also am not the kind of person who can just kind of shrug their shoulders and go, okay, well, she, she has arthritis, she's in pain, let's put her down. That, no, no. But it's such a strange place to be in, right? When we have dogs and cats and we have our fur babies and somehow at the end of their lives, it's, it's up to us. And I think that that decision, it needs to be in communication, you know, together with them. So my whole week has been just so present with her. Like not only I'm present with her getting, giving her this new medication. I want to make sure she feels good. I'm trying to really monitor changes in her energy and in her mood and in her behavior. But she's not groggy anymore. Doesn't seem to be. And she's getting shorter walks now. No more super long walks, just shorter walks and more walks. That's what the vet said. If you have arthritis or these kinds of conditions you need to move but a little bit all through the day so that you don't get too stiff and and sort of tight by not from not moving so she's getting lots of little walks and honestly she seems like happier than she's been in a long time probably because she's not (laughs) in pain anymore but also I'm having this experience this week of just being more present with her right? Almost like I'm talking to her every day. I go, I wake up and I'm like, how are you? And I sit with her and I look at her and she looks at me and we are in this sort of conversation, right? Where I can really tell, like I can get really, really present with her little shifts and changes. And she's so enjoying this extra level of presence, right? This extra attention, And of course, we're showering her in treats and, you know, she gets to go on the bed, but we have to lift her up because she can't, she can't jump on the bed anymore. It's just, uh, you know, how at the end of our lives, we get almost puppy-like, like she has a very puppy-like feeling about her this week with the zoomies and the little bursts of joy that come and, you know, and I just, I just feel in my, in my heart, it's not her time yet. But I also want to be and stay really open to the fact that, yeah, any day she might tell me, you know, or I might get that knowing that that time is coming. <laughs> and I'm trying to communicate this with Leia, which is very hard. Oh, I would so appreciate some advice from from anyone, you know, talking about death with your child. I've, I've been really mindful to not have death be taboo in my mothering. So since she's been really little, of course, we encounter death all the time. Like death is in nature everywhere all the time. And since she was really little, like one and a half, two years old, we've we've talked about death. Like death is a part of life. Living in Aruba, whenever we would find an animal that was dead or passed, like everything from little spiders to once we found a dead mouse um, outside the house. And then we have little burials and um, we've had so many animal funerals, <laughs> like in Leia's life. Like she definitely is very well versed in. Okay, well, when we find a dead animal or a dead being, like what do we do? How do we handle that? Um, and the ceremony that that I'm trying to teach her or, or guide her toward, like that's that's kind of that's something that we do at the end of of someone's life. But it's very different, right? Encountering a mouse or a bird or something that you've you know, that you've never seen before or met before and having a ceremony there and saying some words and putting some flowers down. Like we do, we do that all the time. It's different than, of course, than 
the dog. First of all, just losing the dog that you've known every single day of your life. She was there when Leah was born. She's been there to greet her every day when she comes home, every single day, every morning. Like that's, it's like, it's not like her sister, but it's kind of like her sister in a weird way. So first of all, just coping with the fact that, that she's not going to be there anymore, right? To not have her be a part of the pack anymore, to come home and then and she's not there. Like that is going to be a very, very, very hard thing to get used to and to grasp, I think. But what I'm struggling more with is, you know, since it's a, you know, it's since it's probably going to have to be a conscious decision that we make, right? The vet is going to have to put her down. And I don't know if that's going to happen at at the vet's office, you know, or like we have to bring her somewhere and do that, or if they can come to our house and do that. We live a little bit far, like some ways away. So I don't know if it's how easy it is to, to have that happen. But just for Leia to be there then, and we're talking about this, you know, I don't know, is it better that she's there and that she gets to say goodbye and that she gets to, you know, touch her and be with her and all of us together as a family saying, saying goodbye? Or is it better that she says goodbye and then maybe, you know, my brother's there and he takes her for a walk or that she's not there for that moment, right? I don't know. I actually, I really don't know. And I, and this, you know, Dennis told me yesterday, like, she's going to outlive us all. Like, maybe like it has another three years in her. We have no idea. I really have no idea. Just three weeks ago, we were saying goodbye to my brother's dog. And now, you know, we see him every day. Like, and he's, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You don't know what's going to happen. So maybe she has tons more years. And by the time it's time to say goodbye, Leia is going to be in a different state of development, right? And maybe this decision's, you know, it's going to feel different for me around her. But I also have a feeling that maybe it's going to be very soon, right? Maybe it is in three weeks or maybe it's, it's coming. So I don't know that, that I haven't made any decision and I'm kind of, I'm feeling into it for now. In a way, I, I in a way, honestly, the feeling I have of you know, her saying goodbye to Laika and then leaving or someone being with her there and then coming back and then she's gone. That feels more abrupt somehow than being present for the actual moment. But what if the actual moment feels really scary? You know, there's going to be a needle there. There's going to be a vet there that she doesn't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The one thing I do know, and this is kind of the my cornerstone in, in, in how I parent, and probably the word I tell Dennis the most when we talk about Leia and, and, and things, is preparation. Like I know no matter what is coming her way, 
the more I can prepare her for what's coming, the easier the thing that's coming is, whatever it is, you know. So if one of us is leaving, like Dennis is, you know, traveling for a few days, I would never in a million years have Dennis just go and in the moment say, bye, Leia, see you Sunday. You know, she would be like, what? You know, it'd be a huge shock to her. Um, and depending on her mood, that could be a, a like a real big thing, like a problem. Like we have a whole drama. It's impossible for Dennis to leave and she's crying and, you know, or she could shrug her shoulders and say bye and not give a shit. But it's impossible to know because she's five, right? So we talk about the fact that Dennis is leaving weeks before he's leaving. So she knows kind of it's something that's coming, not in a negative way, just Papa's taking a trip, you know. And then a few days before, and then we count down, and then how many sleeps until he goes, and whatever it is, if it's something like that, or we have an event or something exciting or any kind of change in, in her routine in her life, I spend a lot of time talking about with her to prepare her for what's there. So we're doing that now, and we have been for a while, like since, I don't know, for... I think the past year, we've just been talking about the fact that the dogs are older and dogs don't live as long as people. And, you know, so she and we have that kind of concept of death is kind of in conversation a lot. But then after we went to the vet and she had that seizure, you know, I really sat her down and I said, Leia, we don't know how, how long Laika is going to, is going to live. It could be very soon. I don't know. I hope it's a long time, but it could be very soon. It could be some days. It could be some weeks. But like it is very, very old. And then she really, you know, looked at me and she said, okay. And then I was trying to explain, you know, and, and we haven't talked about this before, but sometimes at the end of a dog's life, when it's time for them to die, sometimes the vet will come and help. And she was like, what? <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, this sound, it sounds really fucked up. Like it really does. <laughs> I mean, imagine you're five years old and yeah, you know about death and at the end of one's life, but it's different. Like someone coming to kill our dog, like what, why, this is a big grown up thing, right? It's a grown up concept to euthanize an animal. Like this is a huge thing. And I was like, just kind of explaining how it works that at the end, if a dog is in a lot of pain and it's their time and, you know, ugh, it was a it's hard conversation. And then she kind of, okay, yeah, but not, but is it, is it today? And I said, no, 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 I don't think it's going to be today, um, but it might be coming soon. So I just, we're going to have lots of fun with Laika these days and these weeks and spend time with her and also explaining that she's in pain so she can't pet her you know, intensely and just, we're just kind of petting her more on her head and her shoulders now, not so much her, her back anymore because we know she has pain. And then, this is the funny part, I don't know how to, how to translate or like share what she did. We went for a walk. That, that was, that was the next day after the vet. And then late in the afternoon or before dinner, we went for a little walk, just a short walk because now we take lots of little walks, right? And as we go, like Laika just started kind of running and she ran up to Leia and ran next to Leia. And then Leia's like, Laika, Laika, come here, come here, Laika. Are you my good girl? Yes, you are. Are you going to die soon? <laughs> and she did this whole thing where she's like, are you my good girl? Are you going to die soon? Yes, you are. Yes, you're going to die. Yes, you are. 
we're going to miss you so much. And you're such a good girl. And I just stood there like jaw on the floor. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then she like kind of ran on and then Leah ran up to me. She's like, it's okay. It's okay. She, she knows she's okay. She's okay. And I'm like, oh my God, this child has no clue. Like she... <laughs> I mean, she has all the clue, but also like, no, like no matter what I do, this is going to be a shock. No matter what I do, this is going to be a loss. No matter how much I try to prepare and cushion her, you know, this, there is going to be grief. And it's one of those things I think as as parents, we don't want our children to be in pain. We don't want our children to experience grief. We don't want them to experience loss, but as I've told her, her entire life, it, it is a part of life. And imagine if we went through our entire lives, never having any bird funerals, you know, never seeing any dead animals, never having conversations about death in the family, never saying goodbye to a dog or to a pet. Then what happens when all of a sudden life just happens and a person you love dies? without preparation, without there being a conversation, without, because that shit happens all the fucking time. So I'm trying to just remind myself that all these grieves in her life, you know, little ones and bigger ones, like they're all part of preparing her for life, right? They're all part of, of getting her steady and strong and prepared for all the unknown stuff that I can't prepare her for that I can't protect her from. And this one is just, I hope it's not so soon, but it's just one of those things that we know is coming. And I'm just praying we get to have as much grace as possible. So yeah, death. All in all, you know, just having a whole week talking this much about death and grief and yeah, with my friend who lost her little one and with my brother and now between Dennis and I and Leia, like we're just like, it really feels like death is just present. And I had this realization on the paddleboard this morning, just I'm We've had a big window, a big window without grief. You know, it's been a it's been a while since we lost a person. <laughs> and that might sound like a strange thing to say, but for me, I used to feel like people are always dying. That was just this feeling I had, like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. And actually, you know, since Leah was born, We've had little losses and, you know, yeah, we like losing our home and all the whole, all of last year, like there's grief in that, like we, I, there's grief in that comes our way in so many different ways, but that big, you know, losing someone you never thought you would ever live without, we have been spared from that. And just on the paddleboard, I just felt so grateful, so, so, so grateful that we have so many people and animals in our lives that we love so much, that love us so much. And for the 
biggest part, you know, everyone is just so healthy and so well and so present in our lives and full of life. And I was just kind of, you know, like paddling through this beautiful lake, feeling really strong, like feeling strong in my core and feeling strong in my arms and standing tall next to these beautiful trees. I just felt very primal paddling down the lake, I, I feeling really alive. And just this big moment just hit me like, I'm so fucking glad I am alive. And I'm so fucking glad I get to feel alive. And I'm so glad there's so much life around us. And maybe it takes, you know, that closeness to death to be reminded of life. And to get to have that full embodied experience of being really alive. I don't want to waste this life. I don't want to waste this life. <laughs> so I don't know if you have death present in your life. You know, if you have <sighs> something that's come your way where you weren't prepared or something that is unfolding where you are trying to prepare yourself or prepare your children or, you know, and it takes these brushes with, sometimes with death or with disease. We've also, or we are also moving through in the family as well, this kind of presence of the unknown, right? Sometimes to anchor us so deeply into that gratitude of being alive. And no matter what you do as you navigate this, just don't take that aliveness for granted, you know? Use use it like be in it make sure you have those moments every day where you get to be in your body those practices and those experiences that just put you right here you know that remind you what it really feels like to be alive and to love and to breathe it's all just a big big blessing so i'm wishing you some grace some grace, all of us, just some grace and ease as we navigate all the unknown that's coming our way. Have a beautiful, beautiful weekend and hold all of your loved ones tight, okay? The Yoga Girl podcast will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.